So this evening I'd like to offer some reflections on the four Brahma Viharas. Um, as I mentioned yesterday, we touched on yesterday morning. And these four beautiful qualities, think of them as natural wonders of the heart that can be uh, recognized and uh, cultivated. And I wanted to begin by sharing the sequence I shared yesterday um, about how these four qualities kind of support and balance each other. And um, I forgot to pick it up on the way in, so see if I can remember it. (laughs) But just for you to feel and find sort of your own sense of these qualities and what they are for you and how you sense that they contain each other and support each other and kind of overlap with each other. So metta, goodwill, the love that connects... Yeah, so I could remember it when I was sitting here quietly. I was like, yeah, I can't remember. It is an antidote to all forms of aversion. Um, if it falls into sentimentality and karuna, compassion brings the heart back into balance. Karuna, compassion, the love that responds. An antidote to cruelty. It is not pity. If it falls into sorrow, mudita, appreciative joy, brings the heart back into balance. Mudita, appreciative joy, the love that celebrates. Is not envious, competitive. If it falls into agitated excitement, upeka, equanimity, brings the heart back into balance. Upeka, equanimity, the love that allows. It is not partiality. If it falls into indifference, metta, goodwill, brings the heart back into balance. I think that was pretty close. <laughs> yeah, so I... Uh, yeah, and... and um, I, I, as I said yesterday, I love to I love to 
reflect on these teachings, you know, practice these practices and um, the wish tonight is just to sort of support and encourage whatever, whatever way for you this evening, today, in, in your retreat, in your, in your life, whatever uh, resonances or elements might, um, you know, um, pick up these, these threads in your practice or just highlight these qualities of heart um, so that they might uh, support your practice, support all life. I um I always find when I contemplate these qualities I can get a bit awestruck and and in wonderment at the power and the beauty of them. And I often reflect on um the devastation that ensues in their absence, which to me often highlights their importance and the necessity for us to bring them into being, to cultivate them in our meditation, in our lives, in our relationships, in our world. And um, yeah, I, I, I sometimes wonder why, why I relate to these so strongly, but we won't go into that. Right? And sometimes like I look at the Buddha Rupa here, I was doing it when I came in today and seeing, you know, as we can project all kinds of things onto this uh, statue um, and I could see the, the Brahma Viharas uh, there in a way I could see this this profound this this unutterable almost incomprehensible equanimity and I developed to a degree that I feel like my mind can hardly even imagine and then the compassion this boundless Boundless, again, almost un- unimaginable, imponderable compassion that, that was there in this in this in this being, and the the metta, the friend, the friendliness, the, the ability and willingness to connect with. I mean, can you? I don't know. Again, imponderable. <laughs> My new word for the. Brahmaviharas, immeasurables, imponderables, <laughs> and developed to their fullest extent. You know, you read the suttas and you, you hear the stories of the Buddha and the, the number of different people that he that he taught and, and, and encountered and interacted with, you know, you just astonishing, you know, all different kinds of people and all different states of life and and um Speaking, you know, connecting so powerfully to each one, um, and the joy. I mean, I, I, I wonder about that one. <laughs> you know, we don't hear that many stories about the Buddha skipping around. You know, in a really joyful, and, you know, but it's like a sense of a very, very deep kind of joy. Again, a kind of Dharma joy. That that um, must have been there, glowing, shining, that being. So may we, <laughs> yeah, may we learn to shine 
for you to allow these great qualities of heart to to maybe shine a little brighter. Uh, this is one way I understand the, the process of you know the sort of the sort of uncovering the liberation and the sort of um, allowing these great qualities to suffuse to 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 operate in our heart in its intentionality or state of mind, however we might or attitudes, different ways we might understand and connect with them, so that they. I think this comes from some movie, but I can't even remember which one. But anyway, oh yeah, I remembered which one. Oh, how embarrassing. Anyway, um, yeah. Um, well, anyway, it involves um, <laughs> someone encased in lead. <laughs> anyway, and there's a point at which, some of you know this movie, right? And there's a point at which, you know, he's, he's in there frozen, you know, some science fiction sort of science going on there. And um, and then at some point, then it, something gets switched on and then there's this light and this bright heat and, and it melts away all this all this hard sort of encrusting, encasing kind of, you know, stuff. And then he falls out, you know, this vulnerable human being. Anyway, um, I think it's relevant. Um, <laughs> yeah, the encrustations of the heart and the power of the Brahmavihara to, to shine through. Perhaps we should move along now. Um, <laughs> The Buddha was into similes, right? So, you know. Yeah. This image came up this week as in conversation with, actually it came out a couple of times in conversations with people. Um, seems somehow relevant as well of uh, talking about putting putting the clay in a bucket of water. So, I don't know if I need to explain that. Perhaps some people are going, oh yeah, and other people are going, what? You know. Um, so there's a sense of the heart, the hardnesses, you know, the solidities and fix, fixed bits and pieces of the, uh, the psyche or the mind, and then that sense of like, putting it in the water, imagining the water being like Brahma-Bihara water. Really good stuff. Really, really good water. I just put the <laughs> put the hardened clay, and it just softens beautifully, and then it can be made into beautiful things. Maybe, yeah. So, whatever works, right? Imagery for some of us is very powerful, very helpful, and maybe not so much for others. Or you know, find find your own sort of images, different different ways that these qualities can be connected with, can be sort of brought to life, can be, uh, yeah, understood, resonated with. So, um, yeah, I was considering some of the many, many benefits or powers of um, these Brahma-Viharas, and I just wanted to mention a few. I'm sure that could easily be a, a whole, easily be a whole talk. But um, the, as I think of them as healing modalities. And I often hear you, I, yeah, hear people talking about them in that way. That somehow connecting with these qualities 
is very healing. It's very, it's very healing for the, for the being, for the mind, and a real aid to, to um, the kind of softening, again, that is conducive to um, the arising of wisdom and, yeah, the freeing of the being from what impedes and confines us. Supports for the ethical life. Like this, I was reflecting this week, it f- feels to me like practicing the, the Brahmaviharas is very, it's very supportive for the practice of the precepts. Like if you're really, if you're really committed to non-harming and so on and, 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 and not stealing and speaking harshly, not, not doing that and so on. That these Brahma Viharas, like having these as very strong intentionalities or um, frames of reference, is is incredibly helpful somehow for that, supporting that. Um, I also, it feels to me like often, um, Maybe especially when there's um, things that are difficult, but also maybe other times, that the Brahma Viharas support mindfulness. They support presence, mindful awareness, awakeness. That isn't it? It's like, I mean, it's particularly obvious, say, when something is difficult and there's this recoiling and retracting in the sense of that without, that, that in, the, in, the, in the absence of kindness, in the absence of this. Uh, quality of, of metta, karuna, I was thinking of those particularly, that, that it's, some, it's harder to be present. I don't know if that's your experience, but it's for me again and again, it's when somehow the kindness comes in, whether it's from another person or from, you know, hearing something or reading something or whatever it is. And, and it's like something kind of like it moves through and then I'm like, ah, oh, kind of, can be more present. So to me, that's a very interesting dynamic to see both ways. Perhaps also the presence of mindfulness is also a really supportive condition for the cultivation of the Brahma Vihara. It's a necessary condition, isn't it? We can't cultivate it if we're not here. (laughs) And I, I just kind of obvious in a way, but I mean, not so much if we're operating very much around these things at the level of ideas. It's like maybe it feels like we can cultivate it, can cultivate it without really being here. But the actual grow, growing of that and uncovering of that and manifestation of that and expression of that, doesn't it have to happen here and now for it to really have any real meaning and, and effect? Uh, Interesting, you know. It's, I was thinking of uh, remembering a little story I sometimes tell of a, a situation where I thought it was a really good example of how the Brahmavihara cultivation, particularly metta, uh, and and the mindful the mindful awareness, can really really help you in any situation in your life or on retreat. This happens. This particular example happens to be in a in a, a pharmacy in Finland. Anyway relevant probably to wherever we are but this sense of there was a situation I noticed or you know kind of practicing being mindful you know of what was going on and noticing that um, 
there was a bit of a kerfuffle, a very, very quiet kerfuffle in Finland. They tend to be, they do it very quietly often. Um, I love Finland anyway. Um, and I sort of was noticing this. And then, and so, you know, as you do, you sort of read, uh-huh. And then I noticed on the floor there was like a slip, a, you know, what do you call it? Like a, a slip that the pharmacist had given for the, to take to the till to pay for the medicine. And I just put two and two together and thought that's probably what the problem was. I guessed that the child dropped the thing. So I went and picked it up and I, and I went and, and, and offered it to the, to the mum. And she was just effusively thankful in Finnish. I didn't understand a word, but I understood the, the thanks. And it just, you know, and how much... I could think of lots of examples of that where, you know, I've been on the receiving end of the person who's noticed I left my umbrella on the thing, you know, and gives it to me. And to me, one of the, one of the really important things about this, the cultivation of these qualities of, of, of loving kindness and, and the others is the power of noticing, noticing kindness and, and noticing the opportunity or the opportunities for kindness in small and large ways, you know, sort of within, in the realm of our retreat environment. So there's so many sm- just small opportunities for, for um, yeah, noticing, noticing these qualities in ourselves and others and noticing opportunities to, yeah, make little gestures express, expressive of these for coming from these intentions, yeah, coming coming from this intentionality, um, with the with the with the wisdom to discern what's appropriate, as well. There also, uh, as many of you know, and some are practicing, very very wonderful vehicles for the cultivation of samadhi or concentration, and. Uh, can be for some people at times a kind of again a theme, a frame of reference, a, a, a way, a theme around which the the mind can very uh, can can collect and gather and unify. Um, so very a lot of different power, a lot of different benefits and and potential, and they're also some of you probably know or all of you. They also mentioned as doors to the deathless. It's like great potential through again the full development, this 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 uh, development of these qualities, turn them into doors doorways to the deathless to nibbana. So they have tremendous power also to. Again, as with my images uh, mentioned earlier, to dissolve, to displace the unskillful, the kalesas, and this new, this, well, not new, but fairly recent under word that I've grown to appreciate, upadi, Pali, which um, U-P-A-D-H-A, if you're familiar with it, acquisitions is a translation. Con- constructions of clinging 
or attachments. And I looked it up on Access to Insight and I thought there was a very illuminating uh, description that in the everyday sense what this word meant was, I quote, possessions, baggage, other paraphernalia that nomadic families might carry around. Do you ever feel like a nomadic family carrying a lot of paraphernalia around? I certainly do. <laughs> so these are these are party acquisitions, you know. And I think sometimes I, I um, one of the ways I am most moved and full of admiration for you as you practice is this sense that part of what we encounter on a long retreat is that he's like sludge at the bottom of the thing, you know, and this kind of residues or old, old stuff it feels like, or deeply ingrained patterns that just keep coming to life and you wish they would just lie down and die already, you know, come on, as long as this been going on. See, to me, this is my sense of upadi. And the possibilities, as you you know, for the helpfulness of of, of metta, karuna, mudita, upeka, for for getting into our system, into our body, into our somatic body, into our you know deep into the the textures, into the molecules, into the into the more subtle levels of the mind and the heart and the body to help clean and clear out these upadi, these residues. I think they have huge, huge power to help with that. And I, I feel that this is some, some, somewhat what the Buddha was talking about in his advice to Rahula. This is from the Majjhima Nikaya 62. Rahula, develop meditation on metta, For when you develop meditation on metta, any ill will will be abandoned. Rahula, develop meditation on compassion. For when you develop meditation on compassion, any cruelty will be abandoned. Rahula, develop meditation on appreciative joy. For when you develop meditation on appreciative joy, any discontent discontent will be abandoned. Rahula, develop meditation on equanimity. For when you develop meditation on equanimity, any aversion will be abandoned. So, I'd like to go on probably for the rest of the talk and just kind of reflect a little bit on how. How do we... How do, we, how do we practice these? How do we cultivate them? How do we help to uncover them? And maybe even just talking about them helps, studying them. Uh, so reflecting on uh, the meaning yeah, is, one, is one really helpful way. Um, and for some, for some of us, that study, that Sort of reflection is 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 a real way way into connecting with that quality, how to practice with them. And again, as I was saying earlier, maybe for some of us, 
um, stories, poems, imagination is is really really helpful. Finding finding the ones that that work for you that that somehow can um, connect, catalyze, kind of bring up that uh, that sense, that energy, that intention. And then the the other part is the sustaining, the sustaining, how to catalyze or bring to mind and then hang out with, sustain, learn how to sort of stay with that, open to that, let it spread, right? So that's the skillfulness and, and again, maybe different, different, different things work for different people. For me, often the body sense is incredibly helpful with this. Um, sort of using that as a basis for the spreading and the pervading and the, uh, and the um, sense of opening up the whole, the whole being, the whole body-mind, being the whole, the whole thing um, as, a, as a vehicle, as, a, as a, a space in which the quality, once it's catalyzed, can be um, resonating in. Yeah, and then resonating out. Yeah, like, uh, I think this is a really good, it's uh, like a bell. So you, you know, with the phrase or a image or connecting and then you're hanging out with the resonance savoring that and maybe following the resonance into silence and stillness so I also just briefly want to touch on the I was a while ago I was speaking to somebody who was um, mostly involved in gardening and talking about how for them actually gardening was really their main place of cultivating Brahma Viharas. So again, different minds, different temperaments, different knowing, you know, what how where where and what activities and situations and modalities were we really you know, with me, and I wave my arms around a lot. I think some of like movement, moving the body. Very interesting. Making sound. And obviously, you know, in the woods, you've got a bit more um, leeway for that kind of thing you have in the building. But to really, I feel like with the Brahma Viharas, for me, it's, it's been so important to feel able and have permission to explore and experiment a little bit to really find um, what 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 connects and it might not just be one one way it might be several different ways I was thinking about how what a beautiful and powerful thing this is to bring to our life and our life our life particularly outside of retreat where there's a lot of talking and interacting so, so just to briefly touch on that, it can obviously come up while you're here, whether you're talking with a teacher or in the discussion group or with a member of staff. 
to 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 the the training of of um, um, inclining, inclining towards allowing both the listening and the responding and the movement into speech to come from the Brahma Viharas, to come from a wish to connect, yeah, a wish for the well-being of the other, to come from karuna, a wish to care, a wish to connect with the suffering, maybe the, the mudita, ah, oh, wonderful, practice is going well, yay. So I was thinking how in conversations with you I sometimes really recognize these all happening or how much I, I wish I was more in connection with my you know equanimity in the face of the ups the ups and the downs and then I feel like sometimes when I'm talking and listening like I'm trying to like bring those qualities into the room into the interaction so that for for, for both of our benefits really to support the conversation to support the so that the the conversation can be the most helpful it can be, and and for me anyway, I think the, these four qualities are the sort of like yeah, this is this is this is my main support. So just a thought anyway of how in in our life, in our actions, and our speech, it's it's um, so wonderful. They're wonderful to practice with them, even if we're not you know, able to, um, you know, float around the world in, in, in deep metta jhana. You know, we can still be present in and with those qualities in a, in a deeply sort of um, effective and supportive way for ourselves and others. So meditation, I was thinking there's... Um, this, this flexibility, there's this way that we can maybe bring in, like I hear some of you, you know, mentioning in the one-to-ones of, of just, oh, need, need, need to gladden the mind, or, yeah, that's really, or, oh, really need to bring some kindness in, you know, and, and the skillfulness and like knowing how to do that, so beautiful, like you don't even have to leave your breath. This is a teaching I read um, from Tanisaro Bhikkhu once. Just, how is the breathing? Is it just is there just a sense of easeful connection? Wonderful. And metta is there. When it's difficult to, to bring some compassion, that sense of the difficulty in the breath or in the relating to the breath, yeah. Or when it's going really beautifully and easefully, the mudita, the gladness. And then the equanimity, and with the breath as it changes, and it's difficult, and then it's easy, and then we've lost it, and worse. So we don't even need to leave the mindfulness of breathing to to um, to connect with or bring in these qualities to support. So um, I want to share. What is probably, I think, really one of the key, or maybe it's the key way that the Buddha taught um, the meditation, the, the way of cultivating the Brahma Viharas, 
So I want to read this, so you probably know it very well. It's, it's also a chant. Um, so I'll just re- read this one. And it, 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 it's the same for each of the four qualities. Abide pervading one quarter with a mind imbued with goodwill. Likewise the second, likewise the third, likewise the fourth. So above, below, around and everywhere, and to all as to yourself. Abide pervading the all-encompassing world with a mind imbued with goodwill. Abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill will. That's from the Majjhimanakaya 83. But you can hear in that this, this um, pervading, this sort of sending, this um, through the whole world. I, I think, I'm not a Pali scholar, but I'm understanding the word loka. It means the world, the world of our experience, you know, the conditioned world, as, as far as we can, can, can conceptualize or experience that on a conditioned level. It's like filling, filling that, allowing that to fill, pervade, suffuse. Beautiful. So, so some people take that as, as the practice, as the way of, of cultivating. And um, Bhikkhu Inalio has been, has, in his books, you can pick up some very, very helpful guidance on, on that. So, let's see. Maybe just share, um, yeah, a few more things. Um, I, I think that, you know, some some of you probably have a very well-established Brahma Vihara or, or one of them, a practice that um, uses phrases. And I feel like words and phrases um, can be so helpful. And finding, again, as with images, the words, the concepts that really, yeah, that, that help, that point, that um, catalyze. So with compassion, I just want to offer three phrases that I have practiced with as just examples of this. And as you know, there are many, many possibilities. As, as a way of, you know, just clarifying in a way where you can carry like a little basket like a that you can you can carry the intention you know because sometimes maybe it feels too diffuse or confused or but here it's like kind of maybe helps to to clarify and and hold it um clearly so 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 here's just like this is difficult Everyone experiences difficulty. May this difficulty give rise to tender concern. So this is difficult. 
this this again as I was sort of touching on yesterday this sense of it this this may be the, the most crucial piece of of being able to train ourselves in encountering what is difficult or painful with 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 just pres- presence present 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 with my like facing encountering being being with yeah. and training strengthening that capacity and then that everyone experiences difficulty um in different, maybe again, just saying it like sometimes that isn't that isn't quite do it, but just that remembering, bringing to mind the sense of everybody, all of us. Because isn't as one of my teachers said, pain plus isolation equals suffering. So take away the isolation, and and there's a very different equation. There's very different possibility. So so again, meditatively, we can train and remembering, feeling, sensing in different ways. Again, a sense of together, together with, you know, this common common humanity, this common predicament. And and yeah, and then the sense that difficulty I th- this is a this is a real training and I I, I I can still see how I don't quite manage it often <laughs> is to that painfulness, you know, Unpleasant Vedana is is like it, it it conditions aversion, doesn't it? It's very natural. It's very so so to actually be present enough so that you can even even if there is aversion, it doesn't go any further. You allow that whole experience of you know painful, don't like it. Ah, you know it's like then to to train yourself in a way for. Can that to become a trigger or a sign for the arising of concern, tenderness, care? Just that, because I and I feel like sometimes that's so much easier in some areas of our life or our experience, or it's easier with others, or it's easier with ourselves, or it's easier on retreat, or it's harder on retreat, or but that. That to me, that feels like an ongoing commitment, and like keep remembering to do that retraining, retraining, so that the difficult can give rise to compassion. And then the beauty of that is that it's like more and more of the suffering that we encounter in ourselves and others, it it it's kind of transformed from being a you know, something awful to just avoid and deny and try and fix and, and, and get away from, etc. To something that when it is, there is more, there is some capacity to connect, to face, to feel that it's this sense of connection or the sense of self falling away or the sense of division and separation falling away. And, and you probably all know that sense of when compassion really arises, it's so beautiful, it's so lovely, it's actually a pleasant sensation, which is kind of bizarre. But, you know, it's like that sometimes, like the carrot rather than the stick, you know, it's like be compassionate, it feels good, you know, which is a bit counter then, counterbalance to the, yeah, but that is so awful, I can't even, you know, it's like, so that, to me, feels like a very delicate, delicate thing in our 
in terms of our inner world and also in our encounters with other people. We can't rush in and touch and face and, you know, just has to, again, the, the space and the space of equanimity. So kind of jumping to that a little bit, that's how much they, these all need each other, don't they? They need each other for balance. That again, the, to, to 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 sort of they each save the other from becoming mm, stupid. To put it bluntly, no. stupid equanimity, stupid compassion. Ooh. Yes, it's happened. It will happen again. <laughs> But yeah, so so that's the this practice, this cultivation. Oh, let's see. Oh, yeah, lots more I want to share. But um, hmm. okay. Well, for those of you who don't like poems in Dharma talks, you stop your ears up now. And if you really don't want to hear, I suggest you put your fingers in your ears and go because mm, that really blocks the sound very effectively. However, that for those of you who really who love poems, this is a poem for Mudita. So in honour of Mudita, this is a poem I love by Pablo Neruda called Ode to My Socks. Mara Mori brought me a pair of socks which she knitted with her own sheepherder hands. Two socks as soft as rabbits. I slipped my feet into them as if they were two cases knitted with threads of twilight and the pelt of sheep. Outrageous socks. My feet became two fish made of wool. Two long sharks of ultramarine blue crossed by one golden hair. Two gigantic blackbirds. Two cannons. My feet were honoured in this way by these heavenly socks. They were so beautiful that for the first time my feet seemed to me unacceptable, like two decrepit firemen, firemen unworthy of that embroidered fire of those luminous socks. Nevertheless, I resisted the sharp temptation to save them as schoolboys keep fireflies As scholars collect sacred documents, I resisted the wild impulse to put them in a golden cage and each day give them bird seed and chunks of pink melon. Like explorers in the jungle who hand over the rare green deer to the roasting spit and eat it with remorse, I stretched out my feet and pulled on the magnificent socks, and then my shoes. And the moral of my ode is this. Beauty is twice beauty, and what is good, doubly good, when it's a matter of two woolen socks in winter. Yay! (laughs) The love that celebrates. So thank you. I think we'll leave it there. Thank you for your attention.
So let's close our time together by chanting the reflection on the. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.